1: deep into all things Texas, both on and off the field. He is Sean Pendergast. And Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General, Sean McClain. W- w- welcome, welcome, to welcome to Utopia. To- hey
0: everybody, what's happening? It is the Utopia Football slash Baseball, because it's opening day as we record this tomorrow uh, podcast. Good to be with you. Uh, I am Sean Pendergast, one half of Payne and Pendergast Sports Radio 610. Joined as always, this time live from... Phoenix, Arizona at the Biltmore, John McClain, the Hall of Famer and our senior Texans columnist at uh, sportsradio610.com and galleriesports.com. John, are you staying at the Biltmore or are all the festivities just at the Biltmore out there?
2: I started coming out here from covering NFL meetings in 1985. I remember Bernie Kosar was a humongous story and he was bypassing the draft to enter a supplemental draft to be manipulated where he could go to the Browns. At that time, nobody wanted to go to Cleveland, but he was from there. And so it was a big story. And so I remember I was sitting here for the first time, and it used to rotate between the Biltmore, a hotel on Maui or the Big Island, and uh, a Disney resort in Orlando, and then a hotel like the Breakers in South Florida. And... So I got several free trips to Hawaii, and the owners decided they didn't want to f- fly that far. That was a bummer. And then they left the Disney Resort in Orlando, and they bounced around Boca Raton. Right, I got to see FAU, great football stadium, great school. Never thought for a minute I'd be seeing them in the Final Four, much less in Houston. And so the I never stayed in the Biltmore, number one too expensive. Number 2 is sold out. I always stay at the Airport Marriott here which is much more reasonable, but I love being at the Biltmore.
0: Yeah. Biltmore is uh Biltmore is nice. I I, I went there one time for a uh like in the mid 90s for one of those work events like if you're in sales and you over like over over achieve your quota, you know, they've got like President's Club and stuff like that. Yeah. So that, that was where President's Club was one year. And I was kind of like, really, Phoenix? Like, why not Maui or the Bahamas or something? And then I went there. I'm like, oh, man, this is it's pretty nice. Especially it's at
2: this time of year. The weather's fabulous. The baseball teams have gone now. And uh, from spring training, snowbirds are still here. Mm-hmm. Kids have gone back to school one time, the head of the convention bureau here, Steve Moore, used to be in Houston, San Antonio. And I knew Steve, and he took great care of me at training camp in uh, San Antonio, made sure I got to stay in a Marriott, got points and every other place. Uh, me, a person, had stay at an airport hotel, which was awful. But anyway, Steve came out here and a few years ago. He introduced me to the general manager of the Bill and he said, I don't see you on our list. I said, well... I don't stay here. It's too expensive, and I get Marriott points. I didn't know it was Hilton. He said, well, here's my card. If uh, you come back, you let me know. We'll take good care of you. So Emmett Smith had signed with Arizona. Dave McInnes, one of my all-time favorite people, now color analyst for the Titans. He was a coach. So I came out here to cover Emmett in uh, his first preseason game, and I uh, let Steve Moore know I stayed at Bill Moore. So I pull up and there's three people greeting me out front. Mr. McLean, how are you? And I'm like, how do they know who I am? I'm in my little cheap rental and I walk in and I'm figuring, okay, if I could get out of here uh, for in the summer for less than 250, I'll be happy. <laughs> and I, and I asked, I said, how much is my room? They said, well, there's no, there's no charge. And I'm, I said, well, I can't take uh a room for free. You got to charge me something. So they were freaked out. So they went and got a boss, wasn't a GM who I'd met. And he said, well, what would you like to pay? I said, what about 150? Well, okay, if you insist. So they take me to the room and it's the presidential suite, three (laughs) bedrooms, three baths, a baby grand piano, a library, a a workroom with a desk, and I came, I said, I can't stay here. I thought if I knew somebody, I could have a party. So I had them put me in another room for one fifty a night.
0: You're the only person to ever reject that suite, probably.
2: Roger Goodell stays there when we come. And I. too bad I didn't carve my initials somewhere. Yes. And I could say, hey, Roger, check yeah. out
0: this. You'll see.
2: J.M. Yeah. was here.
0: J.M. was here, like on the beam, like Brooks in Shawshank Redemption. You know, look yes. like you hung yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, John, you mentioned the first one of these you ever went to. It was in 85, with and Bernie Kosar was the big topic that had everybody talking. What are the big topics that everybody's talking about out there this year?
2: Lamar Jackson um, just dominated the news when he issued his trade demand right right when John Harbaugh was sitting down for the AFC media Breakfast, And it was packed anyway because uh, everybody wanted to ask him about Lamar Jackson. He had nothing new to say. And then if somebody took a picture of that table right when everybody's looking at their phones to check out what Lamar tweeted. The other thing was not on the agenda, of course. It was about Daniel Snyder and the sale and how quick is it coming? And that was a big topic. You know, they vote on rules. Rules get so little. People don't care about the rules. The last rule I really cared about was... uh, overtime and instant replay before that those were big boats in which everybody wanted to know because they affected the game so much and the coaches breakfast is and one of the things i like about it here is you see an owner wandering around or gm you can go up it's the only event sean where they're not just so tight like at the combine they are mm-hmm. at the draft at playoffs super bowl and But at this one, it's very relaxed. All the wives and kids are here, and it's a great time to be at the NFL. When I went to work for Mattress Mac at Gallery Sports, I asked him, I said, you know, I'd prefer not to travel with the Texans. I can write it off TV. And I said, I would like to go to the scouting combine in the league meetings. And he said, go wherever you want. And uh, so this is my last trip for a while, mm-hmm. and I've already I've already decided if the Titans wear Oilers throwback uniforms against the Texans in Nashville, I want to be there because that will be such a big deal. They're going to do it, and they're going to do it for home game. And I'm going to write a column uh, for Sports Radio 610 early next week about all the you-know-what it could stir up, and I can't wait to see if that happens. But it was kind of a hodgepodge when Jim, Trot- Jim Trotter announced that the NFL Network was not renewing his contract. Uh, Mike Jardy did that today. Others will too, but Trotter, because he had really gotten after Goodell on lack of diversity in the NFL Network newsroom, mm-hmm. uh, his was the one that uh, everybody blamed on Goodell.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, he, he's gone after Goodell a couple of times at the Super Bowl each in the last two years. So, the, you know, the two you mentioned, the big topics there, are Lamar Jackson and Washington. I think Lamar is probably the more interesting one for people listening to this podcast. Um, Texan fans who, I guess, you know, depending on where Lamar ends up, it directly impacts the Texans. Um, we can get that out of the way, that it won't be the Texans pursuing Lamar Jackson. Um, but the Colts seem to be picking up some steam as a possible landing spot. John, what do you think about the Colts, Lamar Jackson, them having to give up Multiple first-round picks to do so, um, and and what does that do to the AFC South?
2: Jim Mersey, I don't think he's going to Indy. They want to draft their quarterback just like the Texans do, and have him on a cheap contract for at least three years. And Jim Mersey said it's not the money, even though he doesn't know how much money it is. It's the guarantee. And Jackson turned down three-year guarantee, and he could have been uh, put a provision in there not to tag him. He'd have been unrestricted. At 29 and uh so he's tweeting a lot about this now for the first time and uh so i i don't i still don't think anybody will i think he'll end up playing for the colts people say well he'll just set out well you, well, you said oh, hold
0: on hold on hold on just so you're clear you said you think he ends up playing for the colts you mean the ravens
2: i mean the ravens yes, yeah. thank you yep. and if he sits out his contract tolls so it'd be the same thing next year in the last cba they made it very very difficult for a guy to sit out and if he does he better make sure he's traded. so uh, the Colts and especially John Arbaugh they've been very careful to say all the right things about Jackson and everybody still says if he had an agent he would might not be in this predicament
0: well I think two things John one if he had an agent he might not be and if there was never a Deshaun Watson trade we're ne- we're probably not in the middle of this right now if Deshaun <laughs> for real like if Deshaun I mean it's we can laugh about it now because it's not our problem anymore, but if if Deshaun Watson is still playing for the Texans, or at the very least still playing under his contract he signed with the Texans and not this $230 million monstrosity and atrocity that Cleveland signed him to, you know, if we were just still just living in a world where Josh Allen gets this much and so then Aaron Rodgers gets a little more and then Russell Wilson gets a little more and Kyler Murray gets this and everybody's still just sort of, doing what, what's been done for years, which is the next guy just jumps over the last guy. I would imagine that Lamar Jackson's probably a Baltimore Raven and he's getting ready for minicamp in a month or so.
2: The next, the guy that deserves a guaranteed contract is Patrick Mahomes. And he doesn't yeah.
0: have one. Right.
2: Like that 10 year, how many years it was he signed up? Yeah. They'll redo that for him because he's earned it. You know, a lot of talk to about the Panthers and, uh, uh, um, and they're, contingent that they've been going around the quarterbacks, people trying to figure out who they're going to take. Everybody thinks it's C.J. Stroud, which means the Texans would get Bryce Young because everybody reasons. Frank Reich's not going to change his whole philosophy of quarterbacks who are at least 6'4", who have started for him and go with a guys 5'10", and an 8. Just about everybody thinks Stroud's going first and Young's going second, even though Young is higher rated. And uh, so that got a lot of talk people. Were, I was asked a question today on a talk show. What about this? It, something like this growing uh, prediction that the Texans will take Will Anderson Jr. And I said, where's that growing? It's certainly not growing anywhere where people know jack Squad about the Texans. And uh, so the Texans have, and another thing, Sean, the Texans got a lot of positive energy from people because of D'Amico because of some decisions they've made in free agency. And people think they're going to do well getting Stroud Stroud or Young. So people are excited about the direction the Texans are finally going.
0: How much of that is D'Amico, John? Like how much of the enthusiasm that you're experiencing at this league meeting when you're talking to your peers around the league, how much of that is – the hiring of D'Amico kind of turning the tide. I feel like it's kind of turned the tide for the franchise. That ignited
2: it. That turned the tide for the franchise. And and, uh, uh, I'm doing a column for Gallery Sports today about Hannah McNair's growing influence in the organization. And how Cal Cal welcomes it and encourages it. And they talked about what a good team they make. And one of her quotes was, you know, you learn just as much from losing. And I didn't think she'd say, and and we've learned a lot. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah we've had a little too this, few too know. many, few too many learning experiences the last few years. But they as
2: soon as that interview was over on Zoom with D'Amico, they they already liked him because uh uh they got married, I think, in like oh mm-hmm. eight. So she saw D'Amico for three years, and Cal saw him every year, but the Casario was doing the hiring. But when Nick got off that Zoom, I believe Nick was said, we gotta get him in here and not like not let him leave. And that's what happened. Of course, fact he wanted to be there. But you, you, you gets universal support. You know talk to Kyle Shanahan or John Lynch and they just go on and on and they're sincere about what he can do as a head coach. It's not gonna happen overnight. I mean Shanahan started off I think like he won six and four or five games the first two years, then 13 and three. But what that organization says carries some weight because of their success. And and people around the league, Titans people, I talked to them, they were impressed with D'Amico. And it wasn't because he was a player. It's because of what they saw the last two years and what they know about him from people that have gone against him. And uh, Kyle Sheenahan, I wrote in a column today, he thinks Bobby Slowick will be a head coach. And he said he could have stayed here. What he didn't say was he could have stayed here and got a head coaching job faster. He said, but he's still on the path. And it says a lot about him, that he wanted to go to Houston so he could call the plays and learn experiences, good or bad, that'll help him be a head coach. And he's right. And odds are he's not going to be one as fast as he was, but he's just adamant that he's going to be a great play caller and a great head coach at some point so you hear people you respect talking like that and it gets contagious
1: i'm glennon doyle author of untamed and host of the podcast we can do hard things on we can do hard things my wife abby my sister amanda and i talk honestly about the hard parts of life. Join us and guests like Michelle Obama, Tracy Ellis Ross, and Brene Brown as we have refreshingly honest conversations. New episodes are out every Tuesday and Thursday. So listen to and follow We Can Do Hard Things, in Odyssey podcast. Available now for free on the Odyssey app and everywhere you get your podcasts.
0: Yeah. Um, John, I want to circle back to uh, the Hannah McNair, Cal McNair dynamic that you alluded to and you mentioned where's that the column you're writing about that dropping, Gallery gallery Sports yes, or Sports Radio 610?
2: It's going to be on Gallery Sports later today. Okay,
0: okay. And um, I'll
2: say that we're doing this interview on Wednesday.
0: Yeah, we're, we're recording right now, So and, and and this will probably drop later today. We're recording on Wednesday. Um, so this, this podcast, I'm guessing, will get out uh, pretty quickly, since you and I haven't done one yet this week.
2: Yeah, the way I transcribe, as slow as I am, the podcast will be out.
0: Really <laughs> well – I, and without without having you give up too much that's in the column, I, I guess the part that I think probably people that are listening right now are most curious about is, as you mentioned, Hannah's been married to Cal for a decade and a half now. Why now? What's been the impetus for her to get more involved than maybe she's been? Um, you know, more front-facing, you know, than she's been. She's always been around, but now, you know, involved. Motherhood,
2: they have four kids. And they're all pretty close. And the little girl's the youngest. And once uh, she was able to get involved more, and uh, she got more comfortable doing it. And Cal doesn't have an ego. You know, he wants her to do it. Now, she's not making draft picks. She doesn't tell him what to do. She sits in on the interview. She said she's comfortable. You know, if she thinks something, she'll tell Cal. And he Mm -hmm. listens to her. And uh, he says he welcomes her input. And uh, when I asked about things like uh, Jack Easterby being fired and backing away from Josh McCown, they just said, well, we're not here to talk about the past. We're just talking about the future. In other words, Uh, because I said, what about the fact the word is you got involved in McCown and uh, the Easterby decisions and and, uh, they just smiled and said, we're going to look ahead.
0: Yep. Um, yeah, I like I like Hannah. I think she's smart. She's I think real it's, smart. Yeah, yeah. She's
2: a business major and uh, you know, she's got like, I think, twelve sisters and three brothers, it's in her yeah, she's one of
0: fourteen. She's one of fourteen kids.
2: Gwen's sister, uh Joanna's her best friend. Joanna works up there. She's Cal's executive assistant. So as the kids got old, old enough, she could spend more time up there. Yep. And I told I pointed out to Cal when Bob McNair was running the team, his right hand man was Philip McGuerrils. And Philip knew if he walked around and talked to the department heads, people knew it. They told Philip he would keep it to himself, but he would make sure Bob knew it. So talking to him was like talking to Bob. And I asked Cal and Anna's, so I said, is that the way it is here? Somebody, a department head has an issue that they think that you can handle, or Cal needs to know. Can they go through you? And she said, yes. And, of course, they talked about that survey that came out of the NFLPA in which the Texans were fourth in the league and how they – Oh, yeah, yeah. Players, they took great pride in that. And uh, the only thing they were supposed to have they didn't have was a hot tub and a sauna. And uh, they'll be coming soon. Their goal is to be number one.
0: Is to be number one on that on that list or on that that poll. I think yeah, it was like 13 – did you say that, John? It's 1,300 players that voted in that thing? Yeah, I think it was more
2: than 1,300. Yeah. It fourth, and the only complaint they had was they didn't have a hot tub or a sauna, and 97% said they knew the McNairs would spend the money it took to put the, have the best possible treatment of the players, and they took great pride in that because we all know they spend a whole lot of money.
0: Yeah, I, I think – uh, I that might be the one stat that came out of that poll that, um, that I think probably reflects the best on Cal as an owner, and I'll just call it the McNairs as a family owning the team, is so there were a lot of teams, John, in that poll, a lot of teams, a lot of successful teams where the confidence level in the owner of investing in the team was 50%, 40% was really low. Like some teams that would surprise you a little bit, honestly. Kansas in
2: City,
0: 29th. Yeah, yeah. Like tw- they were 29th overall across all the different categories. But as far as like the confidence in the owner to invest in the team, I 90 97%, getting people to agree on 97% of something, especially about a team like the Texans in the way they've been the last few years behind the scenes is, I mean, that goes to show you like that. I've always said, John, for me, like, I just need my owner to do two things. Hire good people and give them the money they need and the resources they need to succeed. And Cal's always spent, always. Stay
2: out of the way. Stay out of the way. They know way. what's going on, but they don't tell them to draft
0: Derrick Stingley
2: Jr. or which quarterback. They may have a favorite quarterback, but that's up to Casario. It was so funny. Jonathan Gannon, the new coach of the Cardinals, he was besieged and asked about that. Well, guess what? They're making a bunch of changes, but it has nothing to do with the survey. He didn't even read the survey. And I'm thinking, how can you sit there and lie like that? And everybody knows you're lying. You, since the survey came out and found out they charged players for eating, and now all that's changing, I think it's great. Yeah. They should have done it 30 years ago.
0: Oh yeah, I, I, honestly, John, it's a put, if he's doing that just to kind of if Gannon is doing that just to say no, we'd have done that it, like to make it to make it seem like they weren't pushed to do this stuff. I think that's a worse look to say no, we didn't even see that report than it is to say no, we saw the report and we took the feedback and now we're doing something about it. You know Not what right. I mean? Like it's I agree 100%. Like, Gannon. I don't know, man, about Gannon. Uh, we'll see. About him. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, John, what's the uh, what's the consensus out there about that? What do you think? Who's got the Who's got hand in this thing? Who's got leverage? When does a deal get done? Does a deal get done? Where are we at with Aaron Rodgers right now? They're they,
2: they not, not going to give up their number one this year. Okay. Well, they'll give a two. They want to give a two next year with a conditional one, that it becomes a one, based on what he does, because he could retire after a year. Now, he could go through all this rigmarole again. I wish you would get there. I can't wait to see how the New York, New Jersey media treats him when he goes on Pat McAfee and says, so-and-so said this when that's not what he said. And it's right there for you. He has a way of making things up and and seeing it the way he wants to see it. And, of course, he has the forum to say whatever he wants. Yep. But uh, everybody wants him just to get it over. I talked to a friend of mine with the Jets and they're excited about it but they already want it to be over and uh, because the constant speculation everybody thinks it'll be done before the draft
0: Yeah, Um, I hope so let's get this thing to the two sides just sitting here staring at each other right now is just is kind of silly. Um, all right, John, we're, I'm going to save the mailbag questions for next time, just because we've got so many of them. And okay. uh, so, but I do that'll give us a few minutes here to squeeze in a little bit of astro talk. Opening day is tomorrow. They just finished up a couple games against Sugarland. Um, how are we feeling right now, John? Like this is probably this is probably the most uh, turmoil, maybe too strong a word. Although losing Jose Altuve for two and a half months certainly falls into that category, but. Noel Tuve for a couple of months. Michael Brantley, whenever he gets well, which hopefully is in the next few weeks. Lance McCullers is reportedly tossing the ball pain-free right now. So that's good. So some of these things are moving in the right direction. But you're missing all three of those guys to start the season. And, oh, by the way, you lost Justin Verlander in free agency. Like, what's your optimism level about the Astros right now heading into the year?
2: That they won't win as many games last year, but they'll win a better division. And it's not what's due in April and May. I think the Angels started like 20 and 10 last year. Yeah, they did. Everybody they got up fast. Everybody was certain. Yeah. They had finally, finally made it. And then, of course, they went down the toilet. Rangers think they're going to win the division with Jacob DeGrom. The Mariners are keeping quiet. They're still the second best team. Their rotation is good. Their bullpen is great. Still yeah. the best in baseball. And the lineup with Pena leading off and Bregman, too, what if they're just tearing it up and Brantley comes back? Is Dusty going to move him into the second spot? Yes. He claimed he would, how stupid would that be? And I still don't. Dana Brown said they go outside. Uh, Dusty said they go outside yeah. for second base, and Dana said, said no. David Insley might be the tallest second baseman in history, <laughs> and one of the reasons you don't see tall second baseman is turning to double play. Yeah, you know you got to be athletic, you got to be able to jump yep. and slide and spread your legs and do all kinds of things. And I I don't like the second best second base situation at all. But this time last year. I don't like the shortstop situation.
0: <laughs> How'd that work out? <laughs> how are they gonna
2: get it? how are they gonna overcome the loss of Carlos Correa? No way. Yeah. They could do that.
0: I do think it's interesting, John, like that they're going into the season without like Fromber is like statistically an ace, right? I mean, he was seventeen and eight last year, and he had all those quality starts, set the set the record, the in season record in one season for quality consecutive quality starts. And he was great in the postseason. I wonder, you know, the dynamic of being the ace of a staff over 162 games. You know what I mean? Like he's he's the man now. You know, there's no there's no uh, protection, maybe too strong a word because there's nothing Verlander does on game day for Fromber when he's the ace, other than just I think you know, like his his starts take on greater magnitude now without Justin Verlander there to be a sure thing every time he goes out.
2: Just like the World Series when Verlander didn't use squat. I was lucky to get one win. Yeah. Promber was great. Promber's pitching for a new contract. Yes. Astros. So, yeah, you're going to get the best he has. I think Javier will clearly be their second best and he won't be jerked around. He'll be in the rotation every fifth day, sometimes maybe six. I look for him to jump up there and win at least 15. What would you put the over under on Christian Javier? victories this
0: year okay i know what it is and it's funny you say that john you're reading my mind i was going to do an impromptu single for real or fugazi with you right now okay so i'm going to do it i'm going to answer your question oh i am all right uh for real or fugazi christian javier over 11 wins is stealing money for real or fugazi
2: for real, my God, I thought you were going to say like 15.
0: 11, John, it's 11. Is that what it is? It's 11. Now, he won 11 last year, but he wasn't a starter for a lot of the no. year. He got very little run support. People don't realize that. Like, he was like 11 and nine, but his ERA was 2.54 or something like that. And if he had pitched just 10 or 12 more innings, he would have been a qualifier for all the, you know, all the, the ERA, the, whip, like all those, all the, the percentage stats, not the counting stats. Um, he I, would have been I'm eligible. As
2: sure about the over on this as I was on the Texans four games
0: last year. <laughs> you and me both. Uh, uh, yeah. John, 11. These are my four prop bets that I placed, John. Christian Javier, over 11 wins. Ryan Presley, over 28.5 saves. Um, Jose Abreu, over 82.5 RBIs. Because I think he's a machine. Like he plays. You know what I mean? Like he's, he, he doesn't miss time. Like he's played literally in 94% of the games that he's been in the big leagues for. And
2: look who's hitting in front of
0: him. That's what I'm saying. And and behind him, once they get everybody, he's probably doing probably be batting 5th they he'll have Tucker and Pena batting behind him or so Brantley or some, you know what I mean? Like he, he will be embedded in, in a lineup full of all-stars. And my other one was Kyle Tucker stolen bases over 19 and a half.
2: Oh, the only thing that can keep those guys from not reaching those tolls are
0: injuries. Injuries, that's it. That's it. And for you,
2: so. as you mentioned, never gets hurt. And one reason, he shows up every day at 6 a.m. to work like a maniac.
0: Yep. Tucker, Tucker, too.
2: Tucker's mad yep. because of arbitration. So if he stays healthy, no telling what he's going to do yep. with the new rules to help increase stolen bases, I think you got a chance to win some money
0: there. I'm going to sweep the board, baby. I'm telling you, I feel good about it, John. I feel real good. Um, all right, John, what do you got going on? You've you've got you got mock drafts. You got columns about the McNairs. You got all kinds of stuff going on right now.
2: And a column on uh, Jackson's offense on SportsRadio610.com. On what Kyle Shanahan says about D'Amico and Bobby Slowick. Uh, on on. Uh, uh, gallery sports mock draft coming on gallery sports. This one, uh, with McNair is going to be on gallery sports, and I'm going to have one at the end of the week on sportsradio610.com about how the rivalry, the long overdue, heated rivalry between the Titans and the Texans, could be ignited this year when the Titans wear Orler throwback mm. jerseys against the Texans.
0: Those bastards, what happened? Those bastards. All right. Uh, John, I appreciate the time with you. As always, safe travels back to Houston, and we'll figure out a time to do a mailbag at some point here in the near future. John,
2: thank you very much. I look forward to it when we do it.
0: Okay, sounds good. I saved all your questions. If you guys email questions in, don't worry. They're saved. They're printed. I got them right here. We're good. Um, if you want to send in a question, mailbag at gmail.com. That's mailbag at gmail.com. We are, what are we, four weeks away from the draft uh come thursday this week so it's coming up quick so send in your questions mailbag at gmail.com big thanks to figgy fig for getting this podcast out to each and every one of you click that subscribe button you don't have to worry about a damn thing you'll just get it sent right to your device that you use to listen to your podcast so uh with that i am sean pendergast he is john mcclain we are out of time we will see all of you for the next episode of the utopia football podcast thanks for tuning in everybody